Hello and welcome to Rearview, the show where we get to chat to the fascinating people from the motoring universe, learning how they got to where they are today. I'm Andrew and this is episode 24. I'm delighted to say hello and welcome to my guest, Ashley Winston. Straight away, I'm going to ask him to introduce himself because he is going to be much better at it than me. Hi, Andrew. As you said, my name is Ashley Winston. I am the chief car nut. That's a self-imposed title at Palmdale Motors. Uh, Palmdale, we are a car finding service. Excellent. Well, if if it is your own company, you are allowed to give yourself whatever title you like. That's good. I might change it tomorrow. I think that's probably one of the benefits as well. Yeah. It's, today, I fancy being uh, evil lord of and it's, it, things like that. Not not that you would be evil lord. Uh, the, the one I used to be was chief spammer, but they had they had the wrong connotations to it. <laughs> Oh, great. Well, no, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I've been wanting to speak to you for a while because we have uh, met a couple of times mm. in person. Uh, we met at a Great Escapes Day, we which did. was uh, cracking fun. Uh, and at, um, oh no, we did, we failed. I failed miserably to track you down um, at the Coventry Motor Festival. To be fair, it is quite a large event. Uh, yeah, we, we were the other side of the and I, I was surrounded <laughs> seemingly by, the city. <laughs> I was surrounded by lots of tyre smoke for part of the time, so uh, it was difficult to see. But I, I do want to talk about the, uh, the Coventry Motor Fest uh, as well later on. But um, as I do uh, with all these chats, is I'd like to know uh, and work and find out how you first got interested in cars, because not only are you... Um, someone who helps source cars for people, but you do it because you you do actually have a genuine interest. I mean, the, the chief car nut is not, you know, okay, it's a bit of a pithy <laughs> title, but it's it's not false either, is it? it it's not, no. And, but it is false to say I have an interest in cars. It is false to say I have a love of cars. If you say I have an, an obsession with cars, you're probably getting a bit closer, um, okay. but you're still probably not <laughs> not quite there. Yes, I, 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 I yes, I, my my mind is just thinking about cars all day long every day. It's an illness. So, do you remember, uh, or are there family stories around the campfires that where people regale themselves and say, "Do you remember when he first uh, started getting into cars?" It, it's funny because I know lots of people who are into cars, and I have lots of friends who are into cars, and most of the time. When you ask them, how would you get into cars? The answer is the same. My dad loved cars, and, you know, I liked that as well, and we were into cars together. And I hate to say this, but my dad wouldn't have known a good car if it would have run him over. Um, the only decent car I remember him having uh, was a Rover 827 SI, and the only reason he had that was my grandfather gave it to him because he didn't want it anymore. And at the time, my family was, was stuck for a car. So where it comes from with me, I have no idea at all. But my mum does tell stories about how my favourite toys as my child as a child were my little matchbox cars, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I like to know what they were when I got it old enough to, and what they could do and what they were like in the real world. But um, yeah, she says I used to quite often fall asleep, you know, in the middle of the afternoon having played with them all, uh, of them all surrounded by around me, just falling asleep on the on the carpet. But yeah, where that came from, not a clue. I, possibly a, a car alien species came down and abducted me one night when I was a toddler. <laughs> I, I'm not too sure. Do you think it was the look or the sound? Was it, well, if it was the toys, it was probably the look to start off with. Yeah, it would have been the look to start off with. Um, I, yeah, I, I still like the fact that they're all different. But it quickly started to learn about them. You're right, it's the noise, what they can do. 
I'm what I have been. I've been referred to as a car slut. Uh, I, I and you, you can tell this when we get to the part talk about the kind of cars I've owned. I like everything. I'm not, you know, I'm not someone who's into classic American cars or into European sports cars or into Japanese cars or into big cars. I love them all. I, I, there is, mm. yeah, it's rare I come across a car that I that I don't like. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, the variety is there. So it, 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 in the same way, with each car that I like, there's a different reason to like them. There are always wonderful reasons to like cars, and I subscribe to them all. I'm very similar. That I, I don't have a particular. I, I have more of a fondness for estates, but other than that, I'm whichever car take uh, takes my fancy. Really, I'm not. Um, I'm not anti a particular type. I'm not anti. Well, sorry. I am. I'm anti MPVs. That that was a fib on my part. Um, but I, but I'm not anti brand or anything like that, really. So um, yeah, no, that's good. Going through school, did your uh, I think, and um, I've come to the conclusion that as a, even though you've declared yourself as obsessive, perhaps beyond that now as a, as a technically as an adult. Um, technically, I'm yes. I know. Uh, only by my the number of years I've been in, not by anything else. <laughs> Because your passport says you are. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure it does, but I'll check. <laughs> uh, did the obsession um, follow you through school uh, into lessons and things like that? Did you try and tweak lessons to have a um, car-related themes at all? No, not really. School for me was was a great social experience. Um, I loved messing around with other kids. Um, I guess I was into girls probably a little bit earlier than most people. Not that I was particularly successful at that. Um, and I, you know, I remember a couple of things. I remember sitting at the back of the physics room up on the third floor with a lesson going on and doing the, the quiz in the back of Auto Express with a couple of guys uh, just so we could uh, just, you know, be playing around with cars. Uh, but I, I'm, a, lot of this, a lot of this is probably thanks to my best friend, Seth, um, Seth's dad was into cars, uh, particularly Rover SD1 Vitesses at the time. Mm-hmm. And Seth got into the kind of hot rod custom car scene. And oh, yeah. I guess at the age of, I would have been 13, 14 or so, maybe a little bit before that, because I would have met Seth when I was 11. I used to go with Seth and his dad, Roger, to, uh, to like the, the, the big hot rod car shows. And actually, when I mm-hmm. first got into cars, it was the kind of Deuce Coops and American stuff and things like that that I first got into, I guess, when I first really started to think about that kind of stuff. Was it ever an idea to have a a job or career in anything car-related, or is that just something that's come around since? I will never have a career in the car industry. It would, it would never happen. I, a good friend from school started working at a Renault dealer, uh, mm-hmm. And I thought, God, at the age of 18, he's driving Cleo Williams around and stuff like that. I think I'm showing my age when I say things like that. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't going to work with cars. Um, I, I'm, I'm not that mechanically minded to how they work. It's still a big bit of a mystery to me, something to do with combustion or compression. or I don't know. Uh, it's witchcraft most of yeah, the time, I mean, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Uh, so that, that, was, that was never a thing. So, no, it was never a plan. I had a nice career through school um, I didn't study particularly hard I just about scraped into university I went to university I did business and marketing and I had a really nice marketing career 
But I had a marketing career with a purpose. I knew why I wanted a salary. My salary mm-hmm. was always for one thing. Do you want to guess what that is? Um, uh, let's see. Long walks in the Cotswold. It was long walk. No, it was cars. <laughs> uh, in fact, I um, uh, 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 for a few years, I lived in the West End of London. I worked in the city of London. And I owned three cars. I mean, I took the bus to work, but I still owned three cars. Despite not needing a commuter. Well, I mean, okay. On, on one hand, you, you're almost insane for living in London, um, <laughs> but then for owning three cars in London. Yeah, it's, it's quite. It's quite. It, we had to figure it out. So I, I had one with a residence parking permit at my place in Westminster because you only allowed one. One at my girlfriend's now wife's place in West Kensington, where she had a parking permit written in her name, and one stuck as close as I get to central London, where there are no parking restrictions. <laughs> Uh, yeah, was, and yeah. Oh, the effort you've gone, you had to go to. I, I would like to say things have changed a lot, but they haven't changed as much as, a, as I'd like to admit. Uh, <laughs> I, I was a nightmare to have as a, as, a, uh, uh, as a subordinate because I was on a pay rise. I didn't care about mm. the money, but I knew if I got that pay rise, I could change that car for that car. <laughs> Uh, so it kind of yeah. So, so for, for me, I, I, I love my old career marketing. I, I found it fascinating. I really enjoyed it. I you know, I didn't, got, didn't get paid amazingly, but I got paid well enough to do what I wanted to do. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, it was all about you know making the money to buy cars. Well, okay. I mean, this is this is slightly off topic, but um, it is obviously there is a significant amount of marketing goes on in the car world. Mm. What do you think makes successful marketing then? You know what? You can have all the fancy, great adverts, and I, I would cite people like Skoda for some great marketing over the last decade or so and changing a brand around. When it mm. comes down to it, sometimes you get a product that just is genius marketing. I'd have to say, and I, I like I like what I define as what, what I would term marketing cars. Cars have been developed by a marketing department to hit an audience, and I'd have to cite the best example of that is the Range Rover Evoque. I mean, that kind of... Okay. Do, am I a great fan of the Evoke? No, not really. Would I ever own one? No. Have I sourced a few? Yes, quite a few. Um, <laughs> but do I respect it for Land Rover taking what was a great brand and doing with it exactly what they need to do? And it's in their market bang on. That is great car marketing. It doesn't matter, how, it doesn't mm. matter what the adverts were. That is, that is just a fantastic marketing product. They worked out who it was targeted at. Yeah, and they went for it, and they and um, I mean, yes, they've been very successful at it. Um, yeah, okay, okay, I can get on board. I can get on board with that. I they like, got I like that. It, they got that because I'm, I'm always fascinated to understand um, all the because the, the part of the the reason for these conversations is um, one, uh, I get the chance to talk to uh, all these really interesting people that I um, get a chance to chat who are kind enough to chat to me on Twitter or something like that, and then I go, oh, but I'd love to chat to you for an hour. <laughs> Hour or so, and I really yeah. like you know. I'm very nosy, basically, <laughs> as well. Um, so there's, there's that part, but the other part also is is understanding because the car industry is an industry and it is a business, and it's all the different aspects that go into making the the car world what it is. So you've got the the pure business side of things where the manufacturer makes and then has to sell. And then you've got um, people who supply that. And then there's people like you who uh, then are uh, in a different area, which is to help 
customers. Um, so there's, there's a bit of crossover and things like that. And then you've got the, again, you know, if we're doing a, a Venn diagram, you know, you cross over into this as well, you know, where you've got the car nuts who just like cars as well. And mm-hmm. it's not particularly about the business side of things. So I, I, I love just chatting about the whole thing and how uh, diverse yet interconnected everything is. God, dear, I sound a bit like Dirt Gently for a second there, but uh, I don't mean to. Um, so, you know, to actually speak to somebody who isn't technically in marketing for the a car manufacturer, but who has done marketing, it's, it's great to try and help educate me in understanding what marketing is. And I thought that was a great explanation. So, thank you very much. Uh, so thank you for that. It's funny, you kind of described me as being in the motoring industry. And I, I know I am. There's a little bit of inside of me that said, no, I'm not in the motor industry. And I do. I view myself as, I view Panda as a little pimple on the outside of the motel retail industry, eating its way into the, trying to do some good. But I, I just, I'm sure we'll speak about this as we go on. I try to separate myself from car industry retail as much as possible because it's not great. It's a, it's a different side to the coin, though. Mm. Um, I think it was what I was trying to trying to say that you know you know it, it's it's a different take and a different way to help people. Um, but yeah, like you said, we'll we'll explore that further yeah. down. So hopefully, I can I can make it clear that I'm not trying to say that you've got a forecourt and oh, no. you have a big sheepskin jacket with a furry collar and <laughs> things like that. There's nothing on the sheep. No, I don't have one. I don't have one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listening to you, I'm going to take a punt and guess that you passed your test as quickly as you could. <laughs> My 17th birthday was on a Sunday. Right. The driving instructor was there at nine o'clock in the morning taking my first lesson. <laughs> Wasn't going to happen any other way. Had to happen that way. But I think my parents had a fine job. It's funny because I didn't grow up in a particularly wealthy family, to say the least. You know, money was always really tight. Um, birthday and yeah, birthday presents and things like that were you know grab yeah, birthday present was a value of about twenty quid, which by even in terms of inflation wasn't wasn't very much. Um, but the one present we all got as kids was on our seventeenth birthday. Our parents said, "Here you go, lessons until you pass your test, and we'll pay for your test, and we'll put you on the insurance for the cars." That was always a big present. So after years of getting, I don't know, I'm certainly not begrudging my parents. I, I believe they brought me up very well, but. You know, this was this was like the big birthday present I've been waiting for for 17 years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was there, and I, I just got in my first like proper serious girlfriends as well. We just started going out like like very recently. <laughs> so uh, um, what I think actually I might have spent the night. Uh, I don't think it might be the first time with her transmission actually kind of normally slept over. Um, and uh, yeah, the driving truck was there at 9 a.m. to pick me up. Uh, so yeah, it was good. Yeah, had had to had to do it straight away, and I I passed first time, uh, which okay. I'm still quite proud of. In fact, I've taken three driving tests in my life, and I passed them all first time, uh, and uh, pretty quickly as well. I think on my birthday was in May, uh, away for the summer, but I was driving by end of no, I was driving by September. Excellent. And so, what was the first car that you drove after you passed your test? Do I have to like? Is this one of these things where I have to answer all the questions, or can some of them? Can I say I decline to answer? Am I allowed to take the fifth on any of these? That's okay. You can. If no, you like. I'm just, just kidding. So uh, um, uh, it was. We've a, all got some in all, our background well, I, I, that I, we've we aren't. So, should we say the proudest moments of our motoring history? 
first generation Nissan Micra in bronze. One wow. litre base spec. God, I tell you what, if you put that picture on Instagram, the love you'd get. I know. From the corner of the internet that we inhabit would be amazing. Well, but it's the whole thing. There's certain cars in your life that no matter what happens, <laughs> I'll always look at I'll go there, they're horrid. And I might upset some people here. Ford Capris, I will never like them. Because at the time I was growing up, there was nothing less cool you could drive than a Ford Capri. So I know they're kind of getting fashionable now. And I, I might see them around someone and go, oh, that's not that bad anymore. But no, I would never like a Ford Capri. And I know some people think the first generation Mustangs are really cool. Uh, uh, Mustangs? The first generation Micros, even, slight difference, are really cool. <laughs> but for me, it was a car that I had. Now, there's a little story behind this car, which only came out a few years ago, actually. So this, this micro wasn't very reliable. We got through a clutch every six to 12 months. And we got through a gearbox every two years, which is, you're, probably, you're probably sitting there thinking, well, I thought micros were quite reliable. They, they are normally. And you know what? It was always my sister. My, I've got a sister who's two and a half years older than me. The car was shared between me, mum, and her. And it was mm-hmm. always her fault because you know what? She couldn't drive particularly well. Only fairly recently, and only a few years ago, did I admit to my mother and my sister uh, when we were together that the reason that their old car used to go through clutches and gearboxes is because living out in northwest London, not being far from the Hertfordshire country lanes, I used to take the car out there and rag the bejesus out of it. And the reason we got through clutches and gearbox things like that because I came to this little micro like nobody's business. Uh, so much so that after a few years, the uh, bronze micro became a white micro, also one litre, also base spec. Uh, and that had the, the same problems. Uh, my parents weren't very impressed with this in cars at, at that time. <laughs> <laughs> my sister was not happy with this okay, story. Apart, for, apart from the clutch and the gearbox, apart from those minor, minor technicalities... Uh, I, that sounds like it's put up with a hell of a lot of abuse. Oh, God, yeah. And I, I, I love thrashing that thing around the country lanes. And you know what? I guess I didn't know whether... I still look at this and I go, well, was it fun to drive around the country lanes? Was it a good handling car? Did it have any performance? And for me then, it was awesome. And I didn't know any better. The only car driven apart from that was Michael Newman's Mark II Ford Escort, which let me drive... Uh, when I was 16 in the car park of Northwood Park uh, General Hospital. Uh, again, a, a, a car his parents bought for 300 quid. What a Mark II Escort go for now. Uh, and my driving instructor, Peugeot 205 Diesel. Again, at the, now, they're quite a cool car. Well, maybe not diesel, but 205 is a cool car. Now, but then it was just a standard uh, learner's car. So for me, mm. this thing was awesome. Well, yeah, because it had, it had all the performance. There was there could possibly be no more performance. I mean, this had everything, yeah. uh, and it, and it put up with all your abuse. Yeah, um, well, bits most of it put up with all your abuse. <laughs> uh, no, no, for no, some no. of the time. It was my sister's fault. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> You're on tape now. Ah, delete button. Okay, well that that that's excellent. So, um. You, you've passed your test. Yep. You've gone through um, university. You've done your marketing. You've basically every, I'm guessing, couple of weeks, maybe a month, be knocking on your superior's door in your job going, I need a pay rise, boss. Come on. Mm-hmm. Look at all the great work I'm doing whilst hiding a, a copy of Autotrader behind you. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> um, so uh, what, what did you... 
did you move um, within marketing to other companies or um, did you then step out on your own? What what was the next progression career-wise for so you then? I know you want to hear about my lovely long career, and I'll be quite frank. I'm trying to get a reputation for not being anything other than a car guy. So I might, I'll might i do this fairly quickly, if that's okay. I, I worked, yep, that's I worked for a number of banks. Uh, mm-hmm. I worked for American Banks for University. I worked for NatWest. I worked for GE Capital. And I joined up with a marketing agency whose clients were banks. <laughs> uh, and I... Uh, the company's about fifty people, and I ran a third of the, I ran a third of the company. I ran the direct marketing division, so direct mail, uh, email marketing in the early days, database development, all kinds of things like that. And I actually just got a bit of burnout. I had a boss who pushed me as hard as I would push myself, if not further. And after doing that for three, three and a half years, I, I actually for the first time in my life found I found myself in a situation where I said, I don't want to do this anymore, and I just quit. Mm. Uh, he made me work out my three-month notice period every single day, nice. saying to me every other week, I'm not going to give you a pay rise. It's not going to work. I'm like, no, Mark, I just want to go anymore. And a week before I went, said to me, so uh, how much do you get to stay here? I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, you got to get this. I don't want to work here anymore. And after that, I started to do marketing for my own clients, uh, which I mm-hmm. did for about a year. And I, I've always, you know, a lot of people will resonate with this. When you're a car guy, of your friends are buying cars, they come to you and they say, mm-hmm. Okay, Ash, I'm buying this car. What do you think? Where do I go? What do you need to do? I know you've had 100 cars in your lifetime, which by then I probably have done. Um, you know, what should I do? You know, get yeah, some advice. And I decided when friends of friends would ask me, you know, I charged them, I charged them as kind of like a small consultancy fee. Mm-hmm. And the plan with that was, well, you know what, that will kick into my car fund. And, you know, do a couple here and then, which just helped me run my own little small fleet. I, had. I think I was running two guys, just two cars at that point then. Um, it, helped me, it helped me run my cars and things like that. And uh, that got to be more and more popular. And as bad as my memory is, there are certain things I remember clear as a bell. And I remember sitting on the sofa in my old flat next to my wife, Kathy, uh, telling her about this car I'd been asked to help find by a friend of a friend. Uh, and she gave me this really weird look. I'm like, what's that weird look for? She said, when are you going to quit the marketing, start doing this full time? And I was, no, no, I'm not going to be a car guy. I'm a marketing guy. It's my badge. It's who I am. It's what I do. I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a bloody car dealer. Like, oh, that would be awful. Uh, and you know when someone asks you a question and you know the answer you're giving aren't the right answers and you search for a new answer? Well, my answer mm. was, well, you know, you know, it would never work out. You know, I'd, I'd you have to support me for a little while if we did this anyway, to which I response as well. No, I just got a big pay rise and a major promotion. We could do that. And there was this silence, which stretched out for a little bit longer. I looked at her, and I'm like, all right then. And so the very next day, I worked out which clients of mine that I had were worth anything. I started the process of selling those off. And those that I weren't, I kind of gave them away to other, other people and you could help them. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this for a year if I can. Because let's be quite frank, buying cars is the best thing in the world. There's nothing better than doing the searching and making the calls and seeing the car and making sure it's okay. It's just a glorious thing to do. Who in their right mind would pay me to do such a wonderful thing? But you know what? I'll do it for a year and I'll go back to I'll get myself a proper job in marketing again and start earning some proper money again. It's like your gap year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was 11 years ago. 
so, uh, and it, it took me, it took me a few months to actually realise that that wonderful experience of buying a car, I have that, and you know what? Some of the people that listen to this podcast, a lot of them will have that as well. A lot of people interacted with Twitter will have that as well. But for most normal people, and I'm sorry, Andrew, we are not normal. Oh, no, we're not. We're not. Oh, no. We're not. We're special. But for most normal people, <laughs> that is the most horrendous, awful experience they have to do. Yes. And to pay someone else to take care of it for them, all of a sudden, this thing I started to do, just because I was in a fortunate enough position that I could just do it, Actually, it was quite a good idea. And I, I have this, it's quite regular. A client will say to me nowadays, what a fantastic idea. How clever you are to come up with the idea. I have to uncomfortably shuffle and go, well, the car wasn't my idea. It was just a selfish desire to do something I really wanted to do for a while. But just by chance, has to be a really good idea. Mm. Yeah, but that, that um, that's not to be sniffed at. Um, and I'm not saying that you are. Uh, but uh, just, just, just stand there and go yeah no it's a brilliant idea brilliant idea you should see all the ideas I have I have the greatest ideas or something like that <laughs> it's one fork it's also a knife as well <laughs> so um, for anyone who doesn't know could you hmm. uh, give us a, a, a quick breakdown of of what Palmdale Motors um, it is Palmdale Motors isn't it Palmdale Motors Limited Limited we're sorry. a limited yeah. company oh you're all Proper and everything. Uh, no, I counted it two years ago, so I did it. Yeah. No, I know, I know. We've, we've gone through a similar thing with our business. <laughs> we, yeah. it makes it make, but it does make you feel all grown up. It does. Um, it does during the daylight hours, anyway, <laughs> until the bills come in. <laughs> yeah. And you go. I don't want to be an adult now. <laughs> well, I know. I, I, I make sure I have lots of toys around me. <laughs> so, but could you explain to people hmm. what the what the uh, okay, you're saying there that it's sort of it, it's you sort of stumbled into it a little bit, but it has developed now to a point where there's clearly uh, I, I I can see this in the way that you work and when we've chatted and um, when somebody's mentioned they want a car, I've pointed them in your direction and stuff. Thank you. Sir. Um, but it, it's uh, what's the ethos behind it and what are you trying to do for people? Can I uh, do you know what I like to do? I'm gonna can I go on, on a little bit. I, I do a little bit of networking locally. Mm-hmm. And I have a 60 seconds pitch that I can do. Perfect. And it, I probably will fit in really badly here. But one, I, if it's all right with you, can I do that? Then I'll talk mm-hmm. about properly what it is. Okay. So, if we, so these morning meetings are usually in the morning at some ridiculous hour. So I'll start by saying, good morning, my name is Ashley Winston and I run Palmdale Motors. At Palmdale, we're not car dealers, we're car finders. Our clients call us up, tell us what car they want, and that is the car that they get. We'll then search across the whole of the UK for every car that meets their needs. We'll negotiate with the dealers. We'll make sure the car is excellent quality for them, and we'll even pick it up and bring it to their door. And for that, we charge a fixed fee, and in most situations, we'll guarantee that that fee is that we save them more money on the car than that fee is. And then whatever else they need, the entire time they've got that car, they call us up, and we'll always have it to the system and take care of it. That's how I'd pitch it in a business meeting with people who aren't really into cars. The, mm-hmm. it, it, that's probably a very good summary of, of what we do, but there's a lot behind that. The, the, the lot behind that is as, we, is, as we've discussed, for most people, buying a car is a horrific experience. Yeah, they want they want the shiny the new shiny thing on the drive, 
and they want that to happen now. Could, could someone do the, the ugly, horrible bit, please? Because I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to have to look for it. I don't have time for that. Or I find it uh, really awkward to go into a showroom and yeah. speak to someone and all these other things. So I, I, from when I first came across you, I thought, oh, that's just a brilliant idea, that. I mean, again. Well, thank you. Uh, now knowing the truth, I'll just, I'm not going to give you that compliment. But, but it, it is actually a very good idea, in, in all honesty. That if you can take the pain, you've, you've taken a pain point away for people. Mm. And, it's, and it's very much like that. The, um, a phrase I've heard, and I've heard this pretty much word for word numerous times before, is I, I wanted to buy a car. Uh, I, you know, my plan was to go into a car dealer, and, and I know I'm going to get ripped off. I just hope I don't get ripped off by too much this time. One appalling sentiment to have on what is the second biggest purchase. You know, I know, it's, it's awful, do. isn't it? I mean, the, 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 the reputation there is in this country, uh, it's probably, well, it isn't just this country, but you know, if you're in this country and you're buying a car, the expectation is I'm not going to win at all on this deal or I'm not going to meet my needs on this deal. Yeah. It's basically what people are going into accepting before they've even walked yeah, through the door. And I, and I, I hate to say it, but in the vast majority of the situation, they're right. Now, look, I, I want to get this straight. I don't hate car dealers. I hate mm-hmm. most car dealers. <laughs> and, and with justification, too. There are some lovely dealers I know, some great people, some honest people who sell great cars and do good by their clients. But they are in the minority. And I know, mm-hmm. I don't know, I know speaking like that is never going to make me popular, but that's just based on my experience. And uh, today we had a situation with a franchise BMW dealer today. You know, you're spending £55,000 on a car and you, you, know, you assume they've done their checks right. Well, I'm sorry, we don't trust anyone or anything here. My team does their checks and they go pick up a car and Dave from my team found the air conditioning wasn't working. Turns out the compressor's blown. Do you really think mm-hmm. that a lot of the uh, condensers uh, shot? You really think they should have pulled it up on their approved use checks? And this is a franchise BMW dealer. I, you know, I, I used to think when I thought this that you know what? If you have a brand outside your 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 showroom, your BMW dealer or an Audi dealer or a Volkswagen dealer, you know you've got to follow these rules. You must be good, and that's what the public thinks as well. And I hate mm. to say it, absolutely not true. It really isn't. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I can think of one dealer group where I would be happy to buy a used car from them pretty much unseen because I know it's good. And the only brand I think for that is Porsche. Mm-hmm. The dealers, I'm sorry, the dealers are arrogant. Well, they, and they've got right to be arrogant. They, maybe they shouldn't be, but they've got an amazing product range. They sell all day long and the order's through the roof. But their used cars are probably checked out. And apart from that, I can't think of any brand where I could go into any dealer and just know the car would be good. Mm. They're, they're not, it's, you know, and, and why should the man on the street know what's to be good about the car and what's to check out and what's, and, and what's not? Some dealers have some shocking stock in there. And then they, then they want to sell you the PCP deal. And you don't want the PCP deal. You just want to buy it with cash. You've got the cash there. And you, know, you go mm. in asking for a green one because you really want a green one. And they're like, we've got this wonderful silver one on the forecourt here. Uh, you have it mm. for a great price. It's never a great price. It's just, you know, it goes on and on. Again, not every dealer, but the majority is, and I would say over 50%. Mm. It's a horrible thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our clients come to us quite simply because of that situation where you know, they feel that in their head or they've had experience like, experiences like that as well. Uh, and therefore, they, they don't care about how much money they save on the car. That's the only thing. When I started Palm, I was obsessed with saving people money. I had to mm. show them that I'd save their money and we were worth it. 
and I learned, it took me a, little, a bit longer to learn than should have done. I'm a bit of a slow learner sometimes, but actually for most of our clients, they will pay someone a fee just to take care of it because that's what they want. And yeah. for, for that was what that was what sold them on it. Yeah, was you were going to take you were going to take care of this problem. It wasn't you know, and and if you save them money, well, that's that's very nice on top. But yeah. the point was you're going to save them the hassle. Absolutely, and the other the other section is for another portion of our clients. It's all about the time. You know, they're mm. busy people. They earn a lot of money. Um, you know, when they put things on finance, and they have to put down their annual their annual income. And I'm like, wow, that in a year they could buy quite a lot of things. Uh, yes. You know, they earn a lot of money, and they know. You know what? To pay someone what is, you know, if you if you're buying an expensive car, fees are quite modest actually by comparison. Uh, you're buying cheap car, fees are quite expensive by comparison. But um, you know, to pay someone a fee to take care of it, and know it's all going to be hand, handled, and they can put their time into doing something else. You, know, you generally find mm-hmm. the guys who earn a lot of money. You could say to them, "What's an hour at work worth for you?" And they'll say, well, in the working now, in the working day, I'll earn 500 pounds an hour. You know, that's for my work to me. They want that level of customer service. And, you know, we, we don't pride ourselves on having good customer service in the car industry. We pride ourselves on having good customer service in any industry. Mm. And really, nothing is too much trouble at all. Okay. Well, um, what's the, uh, if you can say this, what's the craziest car you've been asked to source? <laughs> I, I can say this, actually. Uh, uh, a few years ago, we sourced a Citroen 2CV for a rabbi. And I, I, love, right. I love him turning, I love the idea of him turning up at a bar mitzvah or something like that in a 2CV. Great car. But turning up at a funeral in a 2CV, not sure it's appropriate. And he had a, a guy from California, lived in England for uh, 20, last 20 years or so. Um, had one when he first moved to England, loved it, and just wanted one again. So for, for three years, he ran this 2CV until it fell apart. It was, I love 2CVs. This thing was freshly restored and immaculate when he got it. Three years in, it's rotted to pieces again because that's just how, oh. just how they're supposed to be. Well, yes, we're seeing that uh, on, um, uh, on Twitter, watching uh, Ian Seabrook mm. restore, uh, restore his up to um, working condition. So... Um, Yes, it, it does seem to be, if, if you're going to get into 2CV land, then you have to be dedicated I, I, or, or, or have a lot of disposable income to pay someone to be dedicated for you. <laughs> so I, I actually know where that car still is um, and I still see it regularly because after Rabbi Frank uh, was done with it, um, we, we went to, uh, we went to um, uh, pick it up from him because it had sat for for a long while doing nothing and um it went to a local mechanic of mine and it sits there he meant to just sell it after five minutes but didn't um and uh every time i go from the mt at this place i see rabbi frank's car sitting there <laughs> so you've been doing this for 11 years now yeah um so it's, it's reasonably successful or your wife is earning so much money it doesn't matter <laughs> One of the two, she's still supporting you. <laughs> but you have a team now, so this is this is obviously grown, uh, and you have uh, you have a team of people um, who who go out across the lands for you. Yeah. So my team is uh, is current as I, as I sit here today. It's currently six of us. One of my team's role tomorrow morning is to kind of find person number seven and eight. 
uh, we've had a big, uh, a big event happen uh, three and a half weeks ago that's just accelerated through, through the roof. So, um, uh, so the team consists of the following and me, Chief Carnot. Uh, what are we, James? What do we call James? We gave James a job title that was kind of like, Dep- oh, Deputy Carnot, that's it. Who <laughs> uh, runs our office and makes sure we behave and don't swear too much around the office, uh, which is something I struggle with, but uh, do do. Uh, and then we've got uh, Tony, Dave, and Brian. And we call them our drivers, but the word driver just completely undersell what they do. You know, a driver wouldn't figure out that their conditions are working on a car and, and sort their problem out with the dealer today like Dave did. Um, you know, Brian's off tomorrow morning to pick up an Audi R8 V10 from a dealer. You know, these these guys they collect the cars, they deliver them. They are the guys on the road. Uh, I think uh, they're okay. from now on we call them our mobile team. That sounds a bit um, a bit flash, but yeah, we'll call them that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so six of us at the moment. Uh, the the two recruiting positions we've got at the moment is actually we decided that we need to add another driver because we're just mm-hmm. busy, and due to a recent massive influx of work. Uh, James and I are going to take on two people, two additional people, uh, to help actually manage the clients and dealers. Uh, well, that's, that's good phone. news. Yeah, yeah. We just congratulations on that. Thank that's, you very much. Fun. I always like to hear that people are uh, um, are growing a business in a way that they seem and sound comfortable with, and you do sound comfortable with this. I, I, I'm glad I sound comfortable. It's good what people can um, uh, portray. Even when it's not really the case, uh, I've, I've I've never been. Into yeah, but we we have to get round that all change is bad. But you know, no, getting beyond that. No, I know. I, I know for most people, change is bad. I love change. I've, I've been accused in the past of changing things just to make them different. I can't stand sitting still. So uh, yeah, you know, I, I, we're we're going to be moving premises. It's just it all, everything's gone off the hook. And it, it, you know, I, you know, I. I've, I've always, I'm going to not, not try to get too deep and philosophical here. I've never believed in luck until recently. Um, you know, luck is something that, you know, just, I, I never believed in. I, I've, I've made my choices. I've made things work. Everything in my life is because I made it work. And I had, um, uh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to get too deep, but I found out recently about a cousin of mine who's the same age as my mother who um, uh, spent his whole life in homes. Uh, he was autistic, and mm-hmm. his parents, my great auntie and uncle, didn't know, didn't know what to deal with him. I, I didn't know of this guy's existence until he passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I read his um, eulogy. And it was all about how his parents would take care of him and stuff like that. And I suddenly realized for the first time, actually, do you know what? My great uncle and great auntie were unlucky that they had a son who was autistic and they, they didn't have the money to put in there in where, what, what they wanted to do, put in the homes they wanted to. And he lived away from home and homes his whole life, separated from the family. Mm. And, you know, I'm lucky. I have a daughter who's thankfully very bright, takes after Kathy, very well behaved, takes after Kathy, uh, <laughs> funny, takes after me. Has big feet, takes after me. No, but you know, it, you know, it's, it's a well-behaved, very nice, you know, uh, lovely, normal daughter. Uh, and you know what? That's luck. And we had a big piece in the back of the front, back, it was a back page of the FT Money section. God bless you, Marin Somerset Webb. Uh, three weeks ago, uh, three and a half weeks ago, 
that's just says the whole kind of story about how she found it difficult to buy a car and how these were awful and then she found Palmdale. And that one article alone just put us through the roof. And we, we've, I, I've, I feel awful, but a new client calls up and I have to say to them, look, I'm really sorry. I'm not doing this to be difficult or to try and show how impressive we are, but we literally cannot start working on your search not for two weeks now unless it's an emergency or something's going on whereby, you know, you, 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 you crashed a car and you need to get to school. You know, we've, we've, we've left some capacity for that. Yeah, it's just, you know, you're speaking to me now in a period of just like, it's a period of massive, massive growth. Yeah, but it's taken, 11 it's years. taken 11 <laughs> years hard work to get to the point where that, uh, that inverted commas, luck happens. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's that whole uh, overnight success. You know, what people don't see is the ten years of getting to the point where the person was on stage or produced yeah. was on, was on the right place at the right time because all that effort had gone into getting them to that point. So, um, whilst I agree with you, but it, it, it's <laughs> to be fair, it's not as though you just sat there hoping things will happen either. So. No, not not at all. But <laughs> yeah, this PR of this level, I have to say. Is luck, and my mum and I had this real. We spoke about the eulogy and things like that, and we had a real heart-to-heart chat of the kind of type we probably haven't had in quite a while. And you know, my mum puts puts herself off for someone who you know is a bit flighty, things like that. And she said that she believes that you know life is part luck, part judgment, part dealing with stuff that gets thrown at you. And she's mm-hmm. right, you know. And I have to say. There was there's, there's been luck involved in in the in the success of Palmdale, as well as hard work. But there is, you know, I have to accept there has been some luck in there. Right. This has gone really deep. Can we talk about my cars or something like that now? Well, you know, I, well, I was going to say that this this seems an opportune moment because I think you've uh, encapsulated everything about Palmdale there. And um, I think this <laughs> is a good moment for us to. Um, were you saying uh, hundreds of cars? Um, now the now to be clear. Yeah. I would like to discuss. Your cars, not cars you've sourced. Correct. No, 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 no. Because uh, I think think we would need several shows to go through all that. Well, that, most of those are boring anyway. Uh, but uh, not with most of them. Uh, but yeah, my own cars get a little bit weird at times. Okay, well, good. We, we like weird. Right, good. What was the first car you owned? 1967 Volvo 122S, otherwise known as the Amazon. Dark green. Uh, bought it for 1500 quid from a Volvo Amazon specialist uh, up in Oxfordshire. Uh, bought it um, the first night, me and my best friend Seth went to get it. Uh, bought it even though we couldn't really get it running and kind of barely only made it home, which was a great first car buying experience. But it turned to be something. Isn't, isn't that what happens to everybody? Yeah. <laughs> you, you go off full of optimism and hope and knowing that that'll never happen to me. Absolutely. And it did. It did. <laughs> he was a nice guy and it was a genuine issue that he wasn't aware about. Uh, but I, I kind of wanted something that was had to be older than me, uh, okay. so which puts it in well, puts it pre seventy five. Can't never tell anyone how old I am, and here I am announcing on a podcast. Um, so, it, it, we we sometimes call this the uh, the motoring couch that all your dark, deepest darkest secrets you you unburden yourself to us. There's that one time while I was with his sheep. And, no, 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 different thing. Uh, so yeah, uh, dark green, and um, yeah, so it had to be had to be old because old cars are cool. Um, mm-hmm. Within a week, Seth had to be chopping bits out of the suspension to make it. Actually, it sat too high in the rear, so we cut we cut the springs a bit, 
uh, to get it sit a bit lower, just stuff like that. And it, it was great. And all my friends were, you know, it, like the issue was, you know, at, at the time when I, when I started to, to drive and get, get my own car was about the time when insurance companies were saying, wait a minute, you're 17, we can't trust you with a car, you have to pay this amount of money. And they were yeah. doing with everything. So all my friends were resigned to buying like 1.1 litre hatchbacks. And the insurance industry hadn't yet said, oh, we'll do it with the classic cars too. So actually buying a classic yeah. car was a really great way of, of, of having really cheap insurance on a car. So I admire Amazon, set that is often an A30 and then an A35. Uh, and it was just, it was, it was really good. So that, that, that was my first car. I could probably name my first four or five cars, and it kind of gets a bit lost. And the first three were definitely interesting. Okay. So I had Go the Amazon. What, so how long did you have the Amazon for? Six months. Sold it for 50% hey, now, profit. Now, bef- before we get any further, yeah. is that a typical length of ownership or? I think when you're 18, yeah, I think when you're 18, six months to do anything is a long time. Okay. No, that's so right. no, I'm just, that, I'm just gearing myself so for, up for, for this. For me, that can be thing. quite long. <laughs> uh, and then I sold that and I bought, because I was in the whole custom car hot rod scene, I bought a Morris Minor convertible pickup truck with a V8 engine. As one does. As one does. One-off custom-built thing. The thing, the front half You're of the bodywork. kidding, one-off. <laughs> the front half of the bodywork was original. Everything else, was, everything else was custom fabricated. The thing was unbelievably awesome. I was 19 years old with a V8, and I could afford to insure it. That sounds it like a death trap. No, it was, it, to be fair to it, it was the guy who built it really... It was advertised in the Backstreet Machine magazine. Mm. I went to view it, the guy who built it, and he'd done a fantastic job. This thing was amazing. And then I was too slow selling my Amazon. I nearly... Uh, he sold it. Uh, I nearly bought a 66 Mustang six-cylinder, uh, and I last minute turned the Mustang down because I'd heard this car's up for sale again, and the guy who bought it didn't quite like it, and he made a little bit of money by passing it on to me. Uh, and I was fine with that because it was cheap. Well, it, was, it was so cheap for this custom-built car, but it had this really awful uh, 1980s paint graphics on the side, so I got it, and I just resprayed part of the um, part of the bodywork just to make it look a bit more subtle. This that thing. I, I presume it was loud. Of course it was loud. <laughs> it two, it two cherry bombs, that was it. <laughs> and maybe for, oh, maybe for a while it ran straight pipes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how long did the uh, <laughs> did the convertible pick up? We, we, we called, called it the minor, Andrew. We called it the minor. Or is minor last? Uh, that, that was me. So I bought it when I was 19 and I sold it when I was 22. Wow, three years. Crikey. Well, you know, it's not true. I sold it to a friend briefly and had his 1927 uh, Model T Roadster uh, for a while, and then we swapped back again. So I, I called the 2017 my third car, although it wasn't okay. really 2017. It was a, you know, aftermarket chassis, fiberglass body, pin, Ford Pinto engine, uh, actually magazine feature built by, at the time, so it was quite a good uh, hot rod builder. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, really nice clean example. Uh, yeah, and we swapped back again. So I guess my so yeah, that was, I called them all the team my third car, and then I started to get a bit practical. I gone I gone to states for a year in university, and I had to buy a pickup truck when I came back. So I bought a Ford P100 pickup truck. Um, <laughs> I then for some reason wanted something practical. I bought a Nissan Bluebird Executive. Worst buying decision ever. I paid good money price. For a car that was mm. just a shed, 
Nothing oh, worked on it. Awful condition. I thought at the time, I could fix this up. I can do that. I can do this, do that. The guy just sold me a pub uh, oh. and I lost a fortune on it. And I learned a lot. Oh, yeah, I lost a fortune on that car, but I learned so much that was worth so much to me. Yeah. Yeah. What did I then I had a I had a couple of Renault nineteen, those are three. Oh, I don't even know. Just then I, then I was going, right, okay, I'm bored. What can I buy? And I was buying stuff just for the sake of buying them. So I I'd have a car, I might have it for two weeks and then sell it again because I just bored of it. <laughs> I just like the whole day buying cars. So I racked up quite a few quite 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 quickly. Um and then I got into employment and then yeah, then I got into employment, then I turned twenty five and suddenly it's like a big light shines. Ah! And, you know, you can afford to get insured and stuff. And I, I, <laughs> I had my list. And my list went as follows. Audi URS4. It's like the old Audi 100 S4. Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted one. I could only afford to show one. Uh, Jag XJ6. The uh, kind of like twin round headlight one with the curvy bonnets. The 90, yep. 95 uh, model. Uh, Subaru SVX. Sixth from last official UK car. Still quite fancy one. Really slow for what it is. Just so cool. So damn cool. Uh, and I used to like have like an expensive car. And, I used to, and, I, and, I, and I, at the, at, during the period of those, I also had a, another Volvo Amazon, which had a full custom built for me. So it was uh, severely dropped on Volvo T5 rims. Uh, uh, modern Audi paint color, completely shaved, color-coded bumpers, custom interior. So like proper, proper what they called a Euro hot rod at the time. Low mm. and sleek. I ran that for a couple of years. And then I, then I realized I got it the wrong way around. I had most of my money tied up in my daily driver, not much money tied up in my classic. And I thought, Mm-mm. no, 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 we've got to swap this around. <laughs> I bought a Renault 1916 valve cabriolet. Again, a cool car now, but at the time it was two grand worth of just a fast, Daily driver. Mm. Uh, I, that's, I quite, really quite like that, actually. Uh, and I bought my Mustang. Is this the Mustang you still have? This is the Mustang I still own. Okay. So, what, 12, 13 years I had that thing for now? Mm. And this is, the, 19, uh, this is the car that goes to Coventry Motor Fest? This may be the car that um, uh, makes the north of lots of smoke at the Coventry Motor Festival each year, yes. It's been through lots of changes with me, but it's, it's essentially it's a 1964 notchback, as in coupe, not fastback Mustang uh, with um, a 289 V8 engine. Uh, and uh, over the time I've had it, it now had an 85 Thunderbird gearbox because I kept blowing the original gearbox, a much stronger diff because I kept blowing with the rear diff, um, some custom bodywork. Uh, upgraded wheels, suspension, brakes, um, line lock fitted, hence the reason why I can do the smoky burnouts, despite having probably, I guess, 160, 170 horsepower now left in the thing. Um, <laughs> absolutely love it. I keep, I, I've never properly restored the bodywork. I had it, um, I came across it, I just stumbled across it, I was looking for one, and I, I came across it, the first time I saw it, it had no interior, no engine, it just been fresh off the boat from California. I said, I'll have it, but I don't know how to build it. And the guy said, that's fine. I want to build it. I've built lots of these before. Uh, I'll build it for you. It'll take me a few months and then just pay me what it was near the end. I'm like, fantastic. So he did the build, put the card together. I had some input into the, what happened there and there. And he said, right, okay, we're ready to paint it now. What kind of color did you have in your mind? And I said, well, Andy, how much do I owe you now? And he told me how much I owed him at the time. I'm like, well, that's what I've got to spend at the moment. 
oh, I can drive it like it looks, can't I? He's like, yeah, of course you can. So I drove this car that looked like it sat in a, in a junker's yard for God knows how long, and it had sat in the desert in California for over a decade. So it looked like that. And then me and my best friend, Seth, who features a lot in my car life, I'm now starting to realize, uh, rattle canned it matte black, and we did a bit of gold on it to highlight the original color, and it then went to light gray and dark gray, and now it's back to matte black again, but it's just a, currently it's just a plastic dip coating. It's never been properly painted in the time I've had it. And I will paint it one day, but the problem I have is every time I kind of get close to having the money to paint it, I go, hmm, that's a whole other car I can buy with that amount of money. That's what I do. <laughs> so it looks a bit rough and ready, but mechanically it's pretty tip top. Interior is really yeah. nice, and it does, and it sounds awesome. It's perfect for burnouts and tunnel runs. For me, that's exactly what I want to use it for. Uh, well, I was going to ask you about the tunnel runs because mm. uh, um, that sounds um, like a fantastically fun thing to do. Could you uh, just a quick outline? Probably not tell people where it is because you don't want too many uh, people coming secret. along. No, no, no. It, yes. It's secret. So I'll tell you what I can tell you without breaking the uh, the tunnel runner's code. Yes. Uh, so um, I've kind of inherited running it lately because I don't think anyone else could be bothered to run it anymore and I love it so much. So effectively, it, you, to gain entry, you have to be invited. It's a closed forum on Piston Heads. You have to be invited uh, by someone who's already a member. You have to come on a run, and if you, everyone likes you, you get you get on. Although with yours, everyone on, uh, and the car you bring has to be not has to be has to be noisy. That's it. We don't say you've got to have this kind of car, that kind of car. So we get Ferraris and Lambos and McLarens. We get my '64 Mustang. Uh, we get lots of TVRs naturally. Um, we get people in what, I, what what something we call boy racer cars occasionally. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You've got a loud car. You've made it loud. You're welcome to come along. And we meet up in either the very late at night or early hours of the morning uh, on a weekend, and we tear through the tunnels of London. There are more tunnels in London than you would possibly expect. And we have a, fu- we have a lot of fun being what is uh, – I love explaining tunnel runs to people who aren't really into cars. It just sounds so childish and immature. And it's so much fun. Well, I, I mean, that's something I've noticed uh, looking at old – Episodes of Top Gear and um, actually the the Grand Tour because um, it seemed Richard Hammond was playing the I'll be the childish one out of the group uh-huh. card uh, yeah. for the, the Grand Tour. Is as soon as it came to a tunnel, the windows would come down yep. and off you went. And yep. having had, uh, I, I was lucky enough to have a Subaru w, WRX STI for a week. Cool. And I drove that most of the time with the with the window open. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, I wasn't near many tunnels, um, but it just. It, there is something incredibly intoxicating and wonderful when you've got a car that makes noise. Yes. Uh, that's it, see, see, it is a, it, the noise that you can feel as yeah. well. You get that, and I get that, but we're freaks to most normal people out there for saying stuff like this. <laughs> you just need to take the minute and then go, you see, for this 15 seconds, this is hilarious. And then we can go back to being normal afterwards, you yeah. see? Yeah, and you, and you know everyone else in that tunnel thinks you're a right idiot. Doesn't mm. matter. Doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm smiling. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that's what a London tunnel is. That's what, we, that's, what, that's what we do. No, I think it's excellent. I've seen a, a couple of short video clips that have been put up on Twitter and things uh, and, and think it's a, it's a brilliant idea and I, and I love the, the time of day that you do it as well. 
uh, I think that's a great idea to do it. Yes, um, those times. Um, and it sounds like an absolute hoot. Yeah. Right, we've got as far as your Mustang. What's happened after that? Because you've still you've still got your Mustang, but what's I've happened? Still, I've still got my Mustang. I'm not sure where to begin. What 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 has come and gone here? But I've got a Mustang that's probably that's probably, that's probably over a hundred. Um, oh, anything and everything. Have you progressed beyond the? Too weak for a car. Yes, I have very much so. So, like having the Mustang for as long as I've had it for is a real thing as well. I have another car, and I will never sell the Mustang. You know, there's a time with Palmdale's history where you know what money was really tight. Mm-hmm. I said to Kathy, "Look, sweetie, I hate to say this, but I think I need to sell the Mustang now." She's like, "No, I'm not having a husband without a Mustang. He'll just be miserable <laughs> the whole time just keeping that thing." So, uh, so yeah, it's the Mustang. I'd rather be poor than have to put up with you moping around the house. So the, the Mustang will be with me to the day I die, but there's another car as well that will be with me to either the day I die or the day I crash it really badly. It's okay. probably going to be the second one rather than the first one. Um, hopefully, hopefully. Hopefully. You know, if, if we have to choose between the two. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not at the same time. Um, that would be really bad. So, um, uh, you know, I, I call myself a car slut. Well, actually, there, is, mm-hmm. there are a couple of cars I'm really into. And one of them I've owned five of. And that was along the lines of the first car I bought when I turned 25, which I have a 1996 Audi S6, five-cylinder mm. turbo quattro. Uh, and, I, I've, and, this, and this one I owned a number of years ago, and I sold it to someone who lived locally. And every time he just see it around, probably every once every six months, I see Chris driving my Audi around locally. And I go, damn it. Why did I sell the ones the best one ever? Anyway, probably about seven years ago, maybe more than that now, Chris called me up and said, you made me promise when I sold the car, you'd be the first one I called. And I couldn't afford it at the time, but I kicked him so hard between the legs on the price. I thought, I have to buy this car, and I bought it. Mm. And I would never sell it again. That car would never leave my sides again. And I, you know, I love the fact that it's just completely and utterly anonymous. You know nothing mm. about cars? It's an out-of-date, crappy old German saloon. Yeah. It's pushing out... 285, 290 horsepower currently. Loads of room for more. You know, it'll crack 60 in five and a half seconds. It will do well over 150 miles an hour, apparently, uh, and just looks completely <laughs> and utterly anonymous. And you know what? When it's wet, you still launch it and there's no problem at all. I love that car. I really do. And, it, it, and the only thing that saddens me about it is it's kind of getting to the point now where it's getting so old. I think in the next five years it might be cool. I don't want it to be cool. Why does it be uncool? Why does it be uncool? Yeah, right. Don't say it's cool. But I, but I think that's similar with the um, early Audi A8s. Yeah. That if you if you can get hold of one of those that's been looked after, or even if it isn't, and you can afford to do it up. But I think those um, can be anonymous, particularly if you debadge them or anything. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you pretend you're you know, the transporter all the time. Or yeah, but you know what? Time. Automatic gearbox. I like having my six-speed. But if I'm just, if I'm driving that most of the time, in most conditions, auto makes a, is quite compelling. It's only for when I get a chance, because most of the time I have the family, and most of the time I'm in, urban, semi-urban environments. Yeah, but I understand that's okay for you, but let's just say those aren't my only two cars at the moment. Okay, then. 
I guessed there would be more. <laughs> I, I, I've, got, I've sold two of them recently, okay? I feel I'm oh, is he down to 15 now? I'm down, I'm, no, I'm down to six, okay? Which, you know what? If you live in a country, if you live in a country like this, fine. I live and I own six cars. Okay? So, which is really down for So, you said comfortable automatic. I have an mm-hmm. old Jag S type. It's a 40 to V8. It owes me nothing. Obviously. obviously. I, I want comfortable automatic. I take the Jag. Fair enough. Well, we've so we done the Mustang, done the Audi, done the Jags. I've got the three others to remember. Well, okay, one, I have a sensible car as well. I have a Ford Fiesta. Largely because Cathy will really not drive very much and she will drive a Ford Fiesta. But of course, yep. me being me, it was, it's, it's, a, it's a 1.6, which at the time was the biggest engine that they did. Uh, it's got the full leather interior. Uh, it's exactly the spec I wanted, except it's hot magenta. It's kind of like cream, it's kind of like cherry pink color. That's the color. Oh wow! That's the color she wanted. So uh, yes, yeah, okay. Manly car for school and things like that. Yeah. I I have a and you kind of start to realize I really like cars from the nineties right now. I have a, a Mark One MX Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, no interior top apart. No interior apart from uh, five point harnesses and a couple of really nice bucket seats. Okay. Uh, adjustable, fully adjustable suspension, upgraded brakes, uh, lightweight wheels, sticky tires. Uh, roll bar, removable hardtop. Uh, standard 1.6 engine. But I tell you, you know, I tell you, I've taken that thing to brands a couple of times. I've taken it around the Nurburgring. It may have may have very little power. Why, God, does it stick to the road? Great car, great car. I love that. Although <laughs> it's probably going to be sold in the spring because a friend of mine who has a bright orange Lotus Elise S Club racer has left the country. Mm. He's left his Lotus at his house here, he no longer occupies and says, just go and borrow it anytime you want to. That does kind of indicate the need to be having my own little track car. Uh, I've, I've got to say, of the, there's not many cars that I sit there and go, I'm absolutely desperate to drive. But that's one. Dude, come on down to London. Seriously. That is definitely. I don't have enough. I, I, I would absolutely. Because that seems. I know, you know, I don't want to use cliches of Cliche you know, away. There are Come certain on. cars Cliche. Cliche me up. that you have to, you know, that you, you should drive or, you know, these, these are hero cars and all that. But that just seemed, it, it seems like the perfect balance of engineering and drivability. Um, and I know we're British and we're biased and everything, but it really does come across as one of the perfect driving cars. Can I upset you? Mm. Whenever I, if I ever ask the question, what's the best British sports car ever built? Mark 1 MX-5. It is the best British sports car ever built, just happens not to be yep. British. Mm-hmm. They nailed it. They just nailed it. Seriously. Next time you're down this way, just come and take it for whatever one you want it for. You get, it, yep. it gets far too little use. I like my cars to be used. That's the other weird thing as well. I'm not precious about my cars. I much prefer... Uh, there's a couple of people on Twitter who you, quite, you may often see are tweeting about cars of mine that they've borrowed. I, I can't drive them all. I know that I've got too many cars. It's, it's silly. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I love lending them out to people. I, I much prefer they were used and if someone damaged them and they sat there being unused. Not, it's not what they're there for. Well, we, everyone listening now applauds that sentiment because I am convinced everybody who listens to this podcast and pretty much everybody in our corner of the uh, internet and Twitter 
definitely are of the cars are there to be used, not yeah. put in a box and wait until they appreciate in price. Yeah. Bracket. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, that is a wonderful. It's a wonderful. Uh, a wonderful sentiment. It's a wonderful philosophy, uh, and it's great that you're um, able to do that as well. Now, for those of you good at maths, will notice I've only mentioned five cars so far. <laughs> there's the six, and the six has a story behind it. I got an email from a girl a year ago saying, from, "Saying um, your mechanic that we shared giving me your details. This is my car. Uh, I want to sell that. I want this amount of money for it. Uh, he thought you might be interested in it. I thought I don't need another car." You know, I'm not interested in it. Uh, she said, the Saab line. That, to make that statement, yeah. that, that response, though, were you in a particularly low moment? No, actually, I just thought, you know, I don't... To say, I don't need another car. No, yeah, I was very depressed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I thought, you know what? I, don't, I, I, I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll go and see it. Cause it because my wife and daughter were away on a trip. And I had nothing to do at the weekend, so I said, oh, I'll come and see it. And, I, and I, it's, a Saab, it's a classic Saab 900 Turbo. You've know, you got, mm-hmm. you got to like those. And I thought it was going to be just a you know, normal Bogo standard one. And I turn up there, and my first nice surprise is it's, it's a Turbo S. Ooh. So I'm like, oh, that's nice. It's white. I don't particularly like white cars. I think it'd be, I think, I think it'd be better in any other color. Well, occasionally, there are a couple of cars that do work in white, but largely no. Um, I think the Saab would be better in any other color. And, it wasn't the best example in the world. It had a bit of a kind of uh, corners of rust here and there, nothing terrible. A couple of bits of bodywork damage, again, nothing terrible. Kind of like a, a, a what they call a 10-yarder. Any photos I posted on Twitter, the car looks awesome. Yeah, you get, get close to it, it doesn't, doesn't look good. And it drove okay. well, apart from a slight knock from the back somewhere and the fact that it didn't quite like going to second gear very quickly. So we're like either in second gear. But it had an Abbott racing exhaust on it. And she, whilst, okay. whilst we're driving around, the sound of this thing drove really very well, apart from the points I mentioned, really very well. And she said, well, you know, it was, she got it from her dad 10 years ago. Dad passed away 10 years ago. Her dad has always had soft turbos as long as she can remember. She kind of took it over because she wanted to maintain it her dad. But it's been a decade now since she passed away. And she's kind of ready to let it go now. I kind of fell in love with the story. Mm. So uh, uh, I thought, you know, it needs this, it needs that third thing. I thought, I don't need it now. A good month at work, and I made a really low ball offer to sit around coffee with her and her husband at the kitchen table. I made a really low ball offer. Before I'd even finished to close my mouth, they said, Yes. And I realized right <laughs> then and there that actually the price wasn't the issue. They wanted me to have the car because they knew I was into cars. And my mm. plan to buy it, run it for a while, and sell it, and maybe, you know, just get my money back, or maybe if I was lucky, make a bit of money out of it. I've paid money to Anya. So I can borrow her car. It's still her car. <laughs> it's still her dad's car, always will be. And I, and I thought, I've got to keep it for a year, and that year is up now. I thought, after you, I'm going to sell it, because let's be quite frank, it's a Saab 900 Turbo. Something major is going to go wrong with it sooner or later, and it's going to cost me a fortune. And right now, it doesn't owe me a huge amount of money, and I kind of like that. I can't sell it. I love the no. damn thing. It's just an awesome car. I love the fact that so many people think it's an ugly car and hate it. I love the fact that I think well, I, 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 I've always liked the looks of them. Mm. And then I got a, a brief drive in uh, Graham Easton's. Yes, we, we, we were tweeting about that uh, just recently. He didn't know, he didn't know I had one. That was the yeah. I keep from him. <laughs> He's so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we don't have secrets. Um, <laughs> but I, I drove his before 
it got um, before it got ill, and now it's under restoration. But I, I, I got into it, and I was going, "Please be good, please be good." I drove it. I was just like, "It's phenomenal." I need one. I have no money. I have no way to get one. And on one hand, I'm elated because I've driven it and it's brilliant. On the other hand, I'm absolutely distraught because I cannot get hold of one now. <laughs> and well, I just think they are gorgeous cars. I can help with that. I mean, to the point where I've got, I've got a, a I've got a Saab now, uh, a nine, the, um, the curvy shape nine three that moved on from the nine hundred. Yep. yep. Um. So a, a two thousand and one. And it's not the same thing, but it's as close as I could get at the time with the money I had. And I just love it. It's one of those... I I love the idea behind Saab. Um, oh, they're nothing. I'm, they're lunatics. I am so sad that they've disappeared mm. because they were so left field mm. and they they were told to do things a certain way and they go, yes, to whoever was telling them's face and then just go off and do what they wanted to do. <laughs> Yeah, and go. Yes, we've heard you. And inside, they're going. But you're completely wrong. So we will do it the right way. <laughs> and just did it. And um, it just. I I love Saab and the story behind Saab, and it's just a great, wonderfully. Oh yeah, they're flawed, massively flawed cars, but they're just wonderful as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's 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 my current six. I had a had a ninety eight Jeep Cherokee up until recently. But I thought I thought I don't I don't drive it very much, uh, and it started to snow, and I thought I'm going to sell it now. The time I thought mm. I put up for a stupid amount of money, and the phone rang off the hook. So uh, uh, actually, despite I spent a fortune, I bought it really cheaply, and I spent a fortune on it. I spent as much restoring the wheels I spent on the original post car. That's what I, did. <laughs> I went up and it was awesome. I loved it. And you know what? The Jeep Cherokee of the era it's a it's a rubbish car, but it's just so honest yeah it's yeah. so honest it's it, so the, i think the problem with people's perception is it they thought it was pretending to be a range rover or something no god it's rubbish compared to a range rover yeah absolutely but if if you want this four by four thing that will keep going and, and will do ex- just do a job then i think it's it's great it's it's the pretensions of grandeur no forget that don't 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 look at it like that yeah but uh, yeah. okay. well, that's. Um, I mean, I know we've I we've skirted on. over some of your one, some of your cars that you couldn't remember because they were probably sold before you'd actually bought them. Um, but uh, I think that's quite a fantastic, a fantastic um, list there, and the ones you own now, which is brilliant, lovely. Well, tomorrow that may change, and you, you never know. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a why in the day. Who knows what goes on there? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Right, well, I think this is a, a good point to go into the quickfire questions. Mm. Um, and uh, I'm not. I'm, what I would typically do at this point is I would try and say to myself that I'm going to ask the question, you will answer the question, I will then move on to the next question, and I, the idea is for me not to then say something. But I've failed on 23 episodes up to now, so I'm not going to bother saying that anymore because it's just not going to happen. So I'm going to ask you the question and I will try to say as little as possible. Can I, can I ignore you? So, which move the next question? Would that work? <laughs> Probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I will start with the first one that I always do. And that is, uh, what currently excites you about the motoring world? I, I, we spoke about this earlier on. I think the retail process is broken. 
Um, and what excites me is that I like fixing things. You know, we spoke about how awful it is to do the car, how, how often, not always, how often the car bike experience is awful. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it excites me that there is, you know, I've somehow stumbled across, been lucky, developed a lot of time and effort into, whichever we want to call it, the solution to, to kind of make it better. And I'm curious to see the impacts this has as a car buying service, as a method starts to start to change and how that will affect the rest of the industry. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I mean, that... that um Come on, I draw the first splash. question, really. Yeah, no, of course, oh, of course. Yes. I mean, this is why I said it up front, you know. Yeah. But but I um, but I think it's uh, having that um, big press splash because I mean, I knew about you and stuff, and um, you know, our corner of Twitter knows about you and what you mm. do and stuff. So now that it's gone into mainstream press, th- many more people have to pay attention, and this then has a knock on that. Um, dealers and dealerships will have to pay attention and start thinking, hang on, how come this has occurred? We're supposed to supply a solution to this problem, but we're we're the problem. So we now, you know, if there's clever one, you know, the clever ones out there and the and the good ones will think about it and change. So yeah, I think it think um you've 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 got the chance to have affected change and disruption and other things like that. Another <laughs> we're gonna use buzzwords now. <laughs> Am I allowed to comment on your comments because there's something a little want to say about that? We had our yeah, first, yeah, our no, first occurrence yeah. this week, no, last week ever, of saying we're going to buy a car from a dealer and finding out who we are. And then they got, got my, James and my team got a uh, got an email back that said, Dear Sir, right? What is it, Dear Sir? That's not a good start. Uh, uh, we understand who you are and what you do. We will not be sending you this car. Yours sincerely. So it's changed us right back and went, I'm not sure why you called me sir, but uh, yeah, no worries, no problem at all. So it's, it's interesting. That's, that was the first time we've had someone actually say to us, oh, actually, we don't like a retailer. So we don't know what you do. We're not going to deal with you. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how that downfolds. Wow. Okay. Mm. That, that's, that, there's many levels of issues with that, but never mind. Okay, we, well, we, good luck to we, we think the car was something wrong with the car, and they knew we'd figure it out. But uh, anyway, next question. Yeah. Right. Okay, then what currently worries you about the motoring world? Well, I'm not an environmentalist. I drive a 64 Mustang, but the CO2 level is probably... <laughs> I don't know what you Just get. got rid of a Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> just got rid of my Jeep Cherokee. Run a, and run, your, well, your four-litre Two 1990s turbo cars, you know, <laughs> uh, and like going to Nürburgring at least once a year. So, yeah, and, and do tunnel runs and burnouts. So, yeah, I'm not an environmentalist, but I, I can't help but worrying about the fact that you know, we've got all these solutions. You know, there's limited energy, and we've got all these solutions to uh, how we're going to use the energy. And everyone's going, oh, electric cars, fantastic. Tesla's wonderful. Yeah, where does electricity come from? I know it's a more um, uh, efficient form of getting electricity and you know, getting uh, uh, energy into cars. But, you know, how long is it till we start to really have problems with the resources that are out there? Um, mm. uh, it worries me about, you know, being a point in you know, 50 years down down the line where, you know what, me taking my Mustang out is really extremely expensive because, you know, fuel costs a couple hundred pounds a litre. Mm. Yeah, um, we've, on the Motoring Podcast News Show, we have talked a lot about things like the toxicity charge um, mm. and things like that where it appears that people have looked at a problem, come up with one solution and gone, that's it, we fixed that. And not thought of ramifications. The whole thing and about think, diesels are evil. Oh, diesel, yeah. diesel, well, diesel were the same, and now they're evil. It's like, oh, come on, guys, really? Mm. 
and people are people are just um, because politicians only talk in sound bites, and they have done for quite a while now. So we're, we're only looking for headlines. We're looking at a headline, mm-hmm. uh, and the way the mainstream mainstream press do report on many issues does not help anything. It doesn't help open a debate and open people from both sides of the discussion who are intelligent to try and work together and come up with solutions that causes the least pain to the most people. But at the minute we've got knee-jerk reactions, as we did with the diesel tax thing, um, and now, you know, 10, 15 years later, we're dealing with the ramifications where now if you own a diesel, you're effectively, you know, causing manslaughter or murder. And that's the perception that's being portrayed by press and certain groups. And it's not not helping anybody. No. Uh, we, we need to think several layers down. We need to think of several solutions to a problem because not one thing is ever going to fix any of these. So you got remind, I, you, I completely you, agree with you there. You're an informed individual. How many times a day do you have conversations with people that say, well, I'm not sure whether I should get a diesel anymore? I thought, well, mm. it's, it's, it's a very regular occurrence. It's like, well, yeah. anyway, yes, that's what worries me. Okay. So what's your favourite car to drive and why is that? This could be of all time. Yes. Okay. So, uh, uh, I think of two. Uh, uh, there's a couple of times I've driven cars that have scared me, uh, and one of them was definitely my most favourite car to drive. So, a friend of mine used to have uh, an Audi Quattro Sport. Ooh. Now, it wasn't a real sport. It was uh, a replica, shortened uh, chassis one. So it wasn't a genuine one, but it was his hill climb car as well. The thing ran about five hundred. It ran about five hundred horsepower. <laughs> it was completely stripped down, and I got to drive it on a couple of times. And um, you got your bleeper ready because you might need it. No, well, it's there. Okay. <laughs> Holy insert expletives to your expletive out. Uh, that thing was fast. He he, he used to think he did not six in two and a half seconds, and I don't, I don't know no way it was that slow. Uh, it was just unbelievable. First yeah, time. and you weren't and you weren't pressing the uh, start stop on your phone as you drove. <laughs> God, oh, it was it was uh, it was just um, the first time he took me out in it. Uh, we were on an unnamed, unnamed road in London. It's also clear ahead. And he stopped and he engaged launch control. The acceleration was so brutal. The two bolts holding the front end of my passenger seat sheared and flipped me backwards. He's like, are you okay? Nice. You okay? You okay? Because I was screaming, uh, but I was screaming with laughter, not because anything was going wrong. The, the thing was just unbelievable. Um, this just the the sound of the turbo when you like, like uh, you drive down the street and people would turn around and go, "What is that? Is that a spaceship coming down the road?" It's a massive <laughs> turbo on the car. Children being sucked into the yeah, air. Quite, quite possibly. Um, <laughs> unbelievable machine, really unbelievable. Okay. So what has been your least favourite car to drive and why was that? First time I drove a Nissan Almera. Okay. Well, I mean, we talked about marketing at the start of the show. If we talk about marketing, they worked hard on that. That is, is, uh, maybe I was just of a particular age that I remember the adverts, but they worked very hard at advertising that on TV and stuff. God, it's, it was just... It, you know what? It, there's plenty of room in it. And they came for the time, I guess, okay, equipped. And they, I think they were pretty well built. My 
Lord, that dulled drive. I'd never driven anything so soporific in my entire life. First time I drove one. It of came those. across though as the vehicle equivalent of beige. It wasn't offensive, but it it didn't oh, do anything. You know, it it elicited no excitement whatsoever in anyone who got in it. No one ever went, oh, thank God, we've got the Almira, you know, or something like that. It was just, it was the white good. Yeah, well, Andrew, I can't even passenger in dull cars. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I must say, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm an Uber fan and I play this Uber game, okay? When I click the button, being in London, sometimes Ubers are just, they're cheap and they're easy to get around. I, I do take quite a lot of Ubers. And it's the game. How many Ubers can I go before I get a Toyota Prius? I, when I see that, ding, your car is Toyota Prius. A bit of me dies inside. And you know, they're, they're, I'm not saying they're a bad car. And I'm not saying they don't have their place. Uh, and I do have some problems with how they're built and actually how fuel efficient they really are. But just a passion them is awful. And, uh, it's just, yeah, I just I don't want to do it. I, cars that are boring to drive. You know, and and I, I get that for some people. You know, we source lots of cars for our clients that are boring to drive. That's fine. That's what they need. That's not a problem mm. at all. But for me, no. God, no, thank you. Now, like you said, we're freaks. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. So, okay then. Right. This this may be quite tough for you, and I I may find the proper answer tomorrow um, <laughs> if I on Twitter. But uh, what would be um, the car that you would like to own next? So yeah, I, I like just getting a car that I've been planning for weeks, and then to a tw- appearing on Twitter like it's just nonchalantly just come across my path. But there is something I've been looking <laughs> for recently, and, and I nearly bought one. In fact, I nearly bought a couple, but I haven't found one I like. Uh, which is I want to get a, a E38 BMW 728i. Ooh, now why is, go on then. Why, why is that? I like, I like, okay, I'm an Audi man at heart, but even I would admit the mm-hmm. BMWs are generally better cars. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a 750i um, a few years ago for probably about six months, which for me is also quite a long time. And I really liked it. And I just like, I just want some kind of big, I did um. We did a family trip down uh, um, for about three or four hours out of London and back. Uh, we did it in – what did we do it in? No, we did it in my Audi, and it was nice. I would like something a bit more comfortable. My, my, my plan is, you know what, the Jag is, isn't really me. And as much, as much as I usually go for a larger engine, you know, for that kind of car, I just want something I can sit on the motorway and be comfortable and just really big. Uh, and cruisy, and I thought a 728i would be absolutely perfect. So I try. What I'd really like is an E32 BMW, but I can't, I can't find one that what, I think's good what enough. What age is it? What so E32 would be early 90s, like later, late 80s. I think it's 88 through to 94. You know, there's going to be someone putting comments in a comment section somewhere. that I've got the years wrong, I know it. Uh, but it's kind of like but that, that's okay. Okay, yeah, right. I've got, I've got, I've got a picture in my mind. Yeah, because I up until mid two thousands, seven series is probably the best looking BM. Mm, well, that's the E thirty eight. The E thirty eight went from uh, mid nineties through to early two thousands when yeah, they went. That, they suddenly went really ugly. Love the look of those. Yeah. Absolutely love the look. I mean, that that uh, would fight very hard if if I had cash and I had you know a a vehicle choosing website open. They're not expensive. There are, there are a few. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, if I had cash, uh, that would fight very hard with a, an A6. Uh, sorry, an A8 for me. 
Mm. Um, I think they look cracking. Um, mm. ooh, I, this I is like handsome. Choice. I like the choice and I like the reason. That's good, though. Mm. Thank you. Okay, then. Um, I'm, sometimes I've got an inkling of what people are going to answer the uh, next question, but I don't with this one. Um, what's your favourite road to drive on? Can I, can I pick... Can I pick three? Can I, can I narrow it okay. down? Can I try yeah. and choose three? <laughs> Just the three. <laughs> historically, it would be the North Circular Road around North West London. I say historically because now they put average speed cameras in there. It's awful. And the reason mm. the reason why is it's close to me. I know all the speed cameras are. I'm not that I'd ever exceed the speed limit. I know the road really well. And it's actually just a great place. It's local. You can actually blast a bit if you wish to but no I've ruined that now uh, there's a there is a secret tunnel in London I quite I like quite a lot but that's only one tunnel it's not really uh, well, okay. I, I, and it's secret so don't mention it, it well, I, I say secret it was in the last James Bond film so it's not really secret anymore uh, okay. but I have to oh, say I remember you mentioning something on Twitter about that yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to say uh, I know this is a bit obvious for a choice no Nürburgring launch life okay I've, I've never driven there I know what you mean. So, I go, I'll be going every once a year. Half the year my daughter was born, I've been once a year for the last decade or so. I can't know where it all goes now, but I still don't know it very well. But it's just, it's well, just a great it, 12, stretch of road. 14 miles, whatever it is. Yeah. You're going to have to do an awful lot of laps to memorise that. Yeah, I, I've memorised it. But you know, there's, there's still bits. Now, I went out with an instructor last year and there's like that whole area that I'm now suddenly so much faster on. Uh, and it's di- very different in different cars. So last year, we'll, we'll go, we'll, this year we'll go in the same two cars, but last year we took uh, the Lotus Elise I mentioned before and a Mercedes SLS. Mm. And the track is completely different in both those cars. Um, yeah, that, that is something that people don't, I, I, you know, us non-freak or the, the non-freaky people don't appreciate is how different cars actually are mm. to drive uh, in different, on the same road, let alone you know, forgetting different conditions and stuff. Um, and that's, I find that very fun. Mm. I, find, I find the, oh, this car likes this bit, whereas the last car really didn't like this bit. That's nice to know. <laughs> you know, and then if I can just concertina all the bit, all the cars that I've driven along the, the route that I really enjoy, and I'll have this one amalgamated car, thank you, <laughs> which will be awful in every other aspect apart from driving on that this one route road. with me, and that's it. It would still be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, next question is, what is the most pointless optional extra you've experienced? Oh, that's easy. So early this year, I had a Toyota Sora, which like the Japanese, okay. and well, they did it as a Lexus in, in America, uh, luxury coupe from the uh, early 90s, well, early to mid 90s. Mm. And it has this. We have a gold one near us. Okay, mine was white. And so you know how I feel about white cars, but it's, it was still yeah. awesome. It, it, it was a really nice one. It was a. Uh, I, 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 had, I haven't owned, but I had spent a bit of time borrowing a twin turbo before. Uh, and this was the V8. And actually, you're being, I usually prefer V8s to turbos, but I think a turbo is actually a, a, a much more fun car to drive. But it's got this button on it, which is sonic mirrors. So the mirrors vibrate sonically to shake the rain off them. And the reason it's pointless is whereas most things on Japanese cars always work perfectly, it does bugger all. <laughs> but I love the fact you go, sonic mirrors, you press it, like, the mirrors start to shake, and it's exactly as it was before. There's all bats that are behind you have now just been 
spiralled into yeah. ditches and edges because they've been thrown off. Absolutely. There's a couple of cool things on that car, though. So, like, the door hinges are incredibly complex because it's quite long mm-hmm. doors. The doors kind of go out and forwards towards the nose of the car a bit to give you extra room to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's actually really – I mean, it's, it's, it's a complex solution for what it is for the problem, but it's quite elegant about how it does as well. I yeah, like it sounds that. like the, uh, the Mercedes um, wiper. So up and down um, – yeah, we're going yeah. to go around and across, and, yeah. you know, the thing because we want to touch as much as, and you think we went a long period of time, sort of mid eighties to mid two thousands, where everyone suddenly went, no, we are going to produce everything at cost. Thank you, no engine, no over engineering, uh, and I think we're creeping back into people not over engineering, but engineering solutions. Of being allowed again, and I was thinking of that the McLaren, um, the McLaren uh, display will flip up yes. when you're not yeah, in yeah. track mode. Yeah, that was only announced last week. Yeah, um, you know, you look at it on one hand, that's completely pointless and a waste of effort and engineering, and you're fixing a problem that really isn't a problem. Yet, I also think. That's quite cool that you've decided to solve a problem. <laughs> but see, I, I, I love I love that when the manufacturers go because you know these things go to committee after committee after committee to actually make the mm. car is quite a lot of thing. Quite a lot of people saying yes to it. I love when my when manufacturers say, actually, yeah, you know what, we're going to do that. Are you nuts? And it makes production. Well, the the, the Veyron is the ultimate answer. To, is the ultimate example of that, isn't it? I've never driven one. I'm sorry. Well, no, I haven't. But the, the 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 idea behind that, though, was we will. Here is the brief. Go away and make this happen, please. And they were given this ridiculous brief, you know, a thousand horsepower and all that sort of stuff. You know, go away and make that happen. And everyone's sort of sitting there going, "That, that can't happen, can it?" And the, and they did it. Yeah. And they, you know, and there's the stories that the cars cost so much more than they ever sold for and everything was a massive loss every time one went out the you know they built one but car manufacturers they don't do that on that such a grand scale now uh, but i think it's sort of crept back in on little little details uh, and i i think i'm i'm quite happy they're doing that mm. actually even though i may not agree with what they're doing i'm happy that they're doing something well think about it. If, if they don't do stuff like that we're all going to have the same boxes that will drive the same. That's, that's and cars have got you know, a lot of mid ninety five to two thousands. You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of boxes came out. Yeah, but back then you had bad boxes and good boxes. You know, mm. you know now yeah. now you drive any car, every car's fine. It's not yeah. really a car you drive and you go, I don't like that. If you're say you're not into cars, you drive anything, mm. and go, yeah, yeah, I drive as well. They all do. Yeah, that'll do what I need it to do. Yeah. Right, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing here, and I'm, I'm waffling on at you. Um, I do apologize. Every one of my but questions, you are, you answer my answer. No, uh, well, I knew that was going to happen, so that's why I'm not bothering to say. I Every one, Andrew. I thought maybe you. I know because I'm, I'm, I'm a very bad host. That's why. <laughs> I'm an <laughs> awful interviewer. That's tea or this coffee. is very clear. After 24 episodes, <laughs> it's very clear. I am bad at this. <laughs> not at all. Um, so the final question, then. Yep. Oh no. Penultimate question. Okay. Who do you think uh, I should talk to after talking to you? Can I make a non a non serious answer? Mm-hmm. Do you know who Donald Osborne is? 
No. Uh, I have these things where I get hooked on these certain TV programs, and I think Jay Leno's Garage, we've got to say it the right way because he's American, is actually really very good. And he has a value on there who's just this guy called this guy's Donald, he's an opera singer, he's a classic car valuer. And he, oh, is he the chap with the bow tie? Yes. Doesn't he seem right. like I, the I, nicest guy you would ever I meet in the entire world? The other night, yes. Okay. He just seems like yeah. he just seems like the nicest guy you would ever meet. Uh, if I could sit down and have dinner with someone right now, I'd pick him. I think it'd be fascinating. I think it'd be delightful. I think you should interview. I think you should interview him next. Right. That's that's the biggest ask. Ask I've been asked so far. <laughs> and then after him, I'd like you to interview God. Oh right. Thank you. Yeah. No, that seems more realistic. Yes. <laughs> I think you should do yourself, actually. Oh, Might no. be a bit one-sided, but, you know. No, no, no. I, I, I waffle enough. I, I give my own answers when you guys answer anyway. So, you know, everybody gets a bit of me every time, whether they want it or Good not. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, right, well, we're at the end here now. Okay. And um, what I would like to ask uh, or give you the opportunity is just to let people know what would be the best way to follow you or if they want to get in touch uh, with you and um, after listening to us uh, if you know people are prepared to wait by the sounds of it as this goes out um, you know if they were interested in asking your help in uh, sourcing a vehicle what would be the best ways to get in touch with you easiest way www.palmdale.co.uk uh, on there are all the links to our social media as well. The, the, there is company uh, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, and things like that. My personal Twitter handle is the Car Guru. It's probably less corporate than uh, than the uh, the official company one. Uh, any either of those ways, I like to speak with people on the phone. Ping someone can ping me an email, send me a message via Twitter. Uh, there's, uh, I, I do this because I love doing it. And I'm always happy to speak with anyone about anything to do with cars if it's going to be helpful to them, full stop. I think that has come clear through uh, our chat that you you do do this for the love um, of it. Uh, and I know for a fact that you are happy to talk to people if it will help him in any way because you've, you've mentioned mm. that to me several times on Twitter and things. I will have links in the show notes. So Thank um, you. anyone who wants to go through, they can click the links and they'll be able to get in touch with you. Uh, and i just like to say thank you so much for this. I've had an absolute blast. Um, thank you. It's been an honour. Well, you're very kind, but I'm, I'm incredibly jealous of your... Uh, car collection uh, and your history um, I think that's awesome and I think what you're doing with Palmdale uh, it, it is a great idea and I, I will give you credit for that thank you it, it is a great idea um, and unfortunately it, it has been necessary but I think solving problems for people is never a bad thing mm. so um, good luck with the future and I'm glad that you you seem to be doing so well and you know to the point where you have to expand and you know, more people are required to help you out. So that, that's great news. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks once again to Ashley for coming on Rearview and chatting to me. I hope you found our conversation as fascinating as I did. If you want to suggest someone who should come on the show, please do get in touch. If you use the hashtag RearviewPod, you'll be guaranteed to see it in Motoring Podcast Towers. To get in touch with me directly, search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter. If you'd like to keep up to date with motoring news and opinions, go try out the sister show, which is the Motoring Podcast. Remember, we have an Audible offer available at motoringpodcast.com forward slash support, which if taken up, helps support the Motoring Podcast and what we make. Please leave a rating and review on iTunes. 
or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing, because it really does help the show and it helps me have a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. So until next time, that was Ashley Winston. I've been Andrew Clues and save motoring.